Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on October 27th, 2013. Today's message is titled, The Most Important Thing is to Grow in Christ, by Pastor Isaac Whiting, and it's based on Scripture, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. The message today is entitled, Growing in Christ. The most important thing is to grow in Christ. And I am preaching this message today partly because I want to grow in Christ. Everything that you do should be a step, a step in your life toward Christ. And I'm preaching this message hoping that this will be a step for me that I will come to want to grow in Christ even more and more. In my first couple of years as a Christian, and this may be true for many of us, I grew very quickly in Christ. I became a Christian at the age of 20. I was in university, and my life was falling apart. I hated my life in many ways. And then I encountered Jesus. And I saw in Jesus that here was a man who was better than me, so much better than me that I couldn't describe it and still can't. Here's a man in whom everything good lives, and I wanted desperately to be more like him. I wanted desperately to be more like him. And so, because I wanted it, I did lots of things, lots of work, to try and get myself to become more like Christ. And God was there with me, helping me. And so in those first couple of years as a Christian, it seemed like I could destroy sins in my life. It was amazing. Things that I had struggled with, never been able to uh, be free from before, just after a few weeks or a few months of praying, asking for help from my friends, meditating on scripture, and doing other things to try, they would be eradicated from my life. I became more and more full of love, more and more uh, friends in my life. I became part of the church. It was great. I grew very quickly in Christ because I wanted to. And then, I have to confess, for a number of years, I did not grow very quickly in Christ. My desire to grow in Christ was still there, but gradually over time, other distractions came in. Things that are good, things like work, my job, even things like being a pastor, running a youth group. Other things that are good, like earning a living. What do I do with my money? Where will I live? Other things that are good, like my family, getting married, paying attention to my wife, raising my kids. These are all very good and important things, but they're not the most important thing. 
This past year, especially, since the beginning of 2013, God has been doing a work in my life. Maybe I'll tell you about it some other time. But specific things that he's been doing in my life to remind me and to wake me up and to show me again how much I need to grow in Christ. I, we, are so far from what he is like, but it is not impossible for us to get there, to become not perfect, but in large degree like Jesus. A month ago, I was up here preaching, and I preached a sermon on love. It was entitled, Love is Power. And in that sermon, I said that the most important thing, this was 1 Corinthians 13, the most important thing is love. It is the greatest thing that there is. The week after that, Bob Roxborough was here, and he preached a sermon from Philippians chapter 3. And in this chapter, he said that the most important thing is that our ambition would be to know Christ Jesus more. There's nothing more important than that, that that would be our one desire and ambition. All three of these things are really the same message, and they are the message that the Bible repeats at us over and over again. But today we will focus on it with these words, that the most important thing is to grow in Christ. There is nothing more important than this. Second Peter chapter 2, and starting at verse 3. As I read this the past weeks, I considered even maybe coming up here and just reading these verses for you very slowly over and over again. What Peter gives us in this chapter is incredible. It is amazing. It is a better sermon than I could ever preach. He begins with this line. We have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. We already have it. Everything that we need to live a life that pleases God. That is, a life like Jesus lived. We already have it. When did we get it? I must have missed that. Well, it was all given to us by God's own power, Peter says. When we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. In these lines, Peter is giving us an expression of the gospel. Peter is giving us an expression of the good news, the message of Jesus. And look at how he expresses it. What would you say the good news of Jesus is if I asked you? Here's what Peter says it is here. It's that you Now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can share in the goodness of God himself. He continues in verse 4. 
God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature, the nature of God, would become part of us. God made promises so that the nature of God himself would become part of us. And then we would be able to escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. This is the gospel. This is the message of Jesus, Peter says. That God has given us everything that we need. All the power that is necessary has been given to us through the cross so that we can become people who are like Jesus. Not just, not just, my friends, so that our sins can be forgiven. This is inseparable from the fact that we would then take on more and more the nature of God himself in our very beings, in our souls. We would become more like him. We would not only be forgiven of our sins, but we would actually escape sin. We would be able to escape the corruption of ourselves, of our wills, of our hearts, and the corruption of the world. I'll give you an illustration at this point, and the illustration involves a ship. Some of the challengers have heard this illustration before. You have here a picture of a large ocean-going ship. This is an illustration. It's not mine. It's not original. It's uh, one that was very common maybe 200 years ago, and I think should be common again today. Imagine that there's a ship. It was created as a great, huge, ocean-going vessel built to uh, sail the seas around the world, a fine piece of equipment. And this ship has gone out into the ocean, but its crew was negligent. The crew didn't take care of the ship very well, and in fact, maybe they didn't really know what they were doing. And over time, this ship started to fall apart. Its machinery stopped functioning well. The engine was breaking down. Things were starting to rust on the ship. And then the ship encountered a great storm. The ship was thrown back and forth despite its size by this fantastic storm that came out of nowhere And the crew thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to drown. The storm passed, and the ship was just barely still afloat, out in the middle of the ocean with no hope. It was taking on water, and the crew despaired of life. But then, another ship, one that was in good repair and that was working well, came out and found the damaged ship. And it towed it into a safe harbor. And the ship was brought into harbor. You can see we have a picture here, the tugboats taking the ship into the harbor. It was brought into harbor, and the crew was so happy, they were saved 
They thought they were going to die and they were saved. This is just like the gospel. We are saved. The ship is safe, but it is not yet saved. The ship is safe when it's in harbor, but it's still broken. The whole purpose of bringing the ship into harbor is to save the crew and the ship itself, yes, but then to repair the ship, to make the ship good again so that it can be sent out to do what it was created to do. Peter says that the gospel is that Jesus has given us through his death on the cross the power and everything we need so that his nature would become part of us so that we could become like him. The natural question to be asked next is, well, then how do we do it? If this is really true, that that all the power that we need, that everything we need is right there for us to become like Jesus, well, then then how do we do it? What do we have to do? And Peter goes on to tell us. Verses 5 and 6. I'm going to say that these are Peter's general instructions for how to repair your ship. They're not detailed or specific. They are general instructions. The things, the specific things that will have to be done, Peter no doubt believed his audience or his readers already knew. But in general, this is what Peter says we have to do. First, he says in verse 5, you must do your best to improve your faith. That is to say, you actually have to do something. All the power has been provided by God himself. He's done everything that's necessary, but you still have to go and take hold of it and use it. Imagine again, This ship has been brought into harbor. It's safe, but it's totally broken down. And they bring it into a dry dock. They get it out of the water. They bring it into a dry dock. They're ready for repairs. And the port authority comes down, and he brings a whole crew ready to work on this ship. They've got all the tools and all the supplies that are necessary. And they say to the captain, get your men together, and we'll all work together to fix this ship. And the captain says, I'm saved. What do I need to fix my ship for? I'm already saved. I don't need to do anything. That would be ridiculous. Of course the ship needs to be repaired. The whole crew stands ready to help. So how do we repair it? This is what Peter tells us. First, you can do this. You can repair your ship by adding goodness to your faith. Goodness, the word here, is represents moral excellence. The right things, 
Basically, Peter is telling us that the first step in repairing your ship is that whatever you know is the right thing to do, you need to start doing it. That seems like it would be obvious. You need to add goodness, moral excellence. You need to do the right thing. This is what we were talking about last week. We spoke, I spoke on anger last week. And this is the first step that Jesus gives us in his instructions for how to repair our ship, our lives. Begin, Jesus says, by ridding yourself of all anger. And he tells us how to do that. And this is what Peter says as well. You must begin by doing things that are right. If you know that anger is wrong, you begin by stop. Stop being angry. And anything that you know is the right thing to do, you simply do it. And the reason that this works is because as we do the things that Jesus tells us to do, the things that are the right things, we will discover that what Jesus says is true. This, in fact, was one of Jesus' own arguments for why people should believe in him in John chapter 7. If anyone goes and does the things that I tell him to do, he will find out if my teaching comes from God or if it comes from human beings. If anyone actually does the things that I tell him to do, he will find out that what I'm saying actually works, Jesus says. And so the first thing we need to do is add goodness Simply start doing the right thing. The second thing that we need to add to our goodness, then, is understanding. We should try to understand and learn why the things that are right are right, and why the things that are wrong are wrong. This will make it easier for us to actually do what's right and what's good. To that, Peter says we should add self-control in verse 6. Now that we've begun doing the right thing and we've started to understand why we should do these things and why they are right, then we need to add self-control. That is the ability to do and to carry out the things that we intend. How many of us are able to actually do the things that we want or say that we choose to do? Self-control is the ability to do what we intend to do. And then once we have that ability, we've begun to do what we plan, begun to be people who actually carry out our plans. And Peter says that we should add patience. That is to say, The process of repairing our ship, even though we will make constant progress if we are doing the right things, it will take a long time. Patience is the ability to keep doing something, to keep going in the same direction for a long time, not letting things sidetrack you or distract you, even things that are good. If we are to repair our ship, to repair our lives, we need to make growth in Christ the number one priority and not let other things, even things that are good, come above that. 
We need to not forget things that we are supposed to be doing. And then Peter says, to your patience, you need to add devotion to God or godliness. And this is where some of what he said earlier actually begins to take hold in a person at a deep level. We begun by believing and then doing the things that we know are right and then understanding why those things are right and then figuring out how to do them consistently to actually do what we intend to do, self-control, and then being patient and doing them for a long time. And if we do that, what will come next in the progression is that we will actually begin to have a godly character. Just like I said last time, last week, that anger can sink down into you over time, so can godliness. This will become, if we apply ourselves to it for a long time, our character. It will sink down into us to a level where it becomes natural for us to do the things that are right. It won't be difficult anymore. And once we get to that point, then things begin to explode left and right. Really good things begin to come out of our life. And this is where Peter reaches the pinnacle of his progression. After devotion to God, next, you can seek to add, in this translation, concern for others. The word here is brotherly love, Philadelphia. That is family love, the kind of love that we have for our family members in a family where we're functioning fairly well. The kind of love that we have for our family members. But not just for them. We will be able to extend that love beyond our family to other people in our community, in our church, to our neighbors. Could you imagine what this would actually mean if we had the kind of love naturally coming out of us for our church and for other people in our community that we have for our family. That kind of love reaches down into our identity as persons. It is a kind of love that is not quite unbreakable, but very difficult to break. It is a kind of love that heals and restores And then if we've got to that point, the final step in repairing our ship is to add on the agape love of God himself. To go beyond simply the kinds of human love that exists in family relationships and to move on to the kind of love that God himself has for us, for everyone in the world. A love that would lay down its life for someone else, for someone who doesn't love them back. This is Peter's progression, his instructions for how we can repair our ship. And then he finishes his little sermon. 
with these lines. If you keep on growing like this, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. This is what will show that your lives are useful and meaningful because of your faith. That is Peter's implication, is if you don't do this, if you don't become more and more like Christ constantly, then your life and your faith are not useful and not meaningful. You see, to Peter, this is the whole point of the gospel. The whole point of the gospel is that you would grow in Christ. The message of Jesus is that he has come, he has died on the cross to save you from your sins. They are forgiven if you believe in him. And the whole reason that God wants your sins to be forgiven is because he loves you and he wants to restore you. He wants to restore you in the deepest part of your soul to be like him, to be like Jesus. This is the purpose of the gospel, that you would grow in Christ. For Peter, it is inseparable. Read his last line. If you don't grow, if you don't grow, you are like someone who is nearsighted or blind, and you have forgotten that your sins are forgiven. You see his connection. The forgiveness of sin is for the purpose of you growing and becoming like Christ. If you do not do what is required to grow and become like Christ, there is no point to your being forgiven. These things are inseparable for Peter. I hope, my friends, that you desire to grow in Christ. Or at least it is my prayer today that you would want to want to grow in Christ. Even if you don't feel it right now, I hope that you would want to desire that growth. I'd like to finish by saying, using this analogy of a ship a little bit further, and say that if we are people who are serious about growing in Christ and becoming more like him, that church services, great as they are, are not enough to do it. Imagine that the captain of the ship and his crew and the people that have been sent from the port authority, they get together and they say, why don't we, wouldn't it be a great idea if we once a week or so got together and we studied shipbuilding and ship repair and we learned from some people who know how to build ships better than we do and we tracked our progress and talked with each other about how we're doing in repairing our ship? Would that be a good idea? Well, of course it would be. In fact, it would be critical for these people who are repairing a ship to get together and discuss it and learn more about it and encourage each other in it. But what if that 
were the only thing they did. What if only all that they did is once a week they came together and talked about how to repair their ship and talked about how what the best ways to repair ships are and encouraged each other to repair their ship, but then they left the meeting and didn't actually go and work on their ships. You see, the work of growing in Christ does not actually happen here. At least this is not the primary place that it happens. This is the place where we encourage each other to grow in Christ, where we learn how to grow in Christ better. But the place that you actually do it is in your life, is in the daily activities that happen outside of this place. Church services are not enough. Let us pray. Father in heaven, it's my desire that I would become more like Jesus. And I pray that that would be the desire of everyone in this building. That we would desire, above everything else, to become more like Christ. I pray again that you would show us more of who Jesus is so that we would love him more and that we would want to be like him. I pray that as we go, you would increase this desire in us through the week and you would help us to do it, to repair our ship in everything that we do. Please go with us. Amen.